Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to Hollywood. Da, da, da. We are doing the 1962 film, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? This tense psychological drama tells of the psychopathic, had to look up what was psychopathic, suffering from a consistently, consistent, (laughs) it was kind of a C word. Uh, Yeah. A chronic mental disorder with abnormal or violent social behavior. Psychopathic relationship between two sisters. Mm, One, a former child vaudeville star, and the other, a wheelchair-bound ex-silent screen star who are bound together in hate (laughs) in a house of fear. That was supposed to be Betty. Sorry, It was was pretty good. Man, it was just kind of crazy. I was thinking those... uh, baby Lizzie dolls down in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Having just been through uh, an an ordeal with my own sister in the last month, it it, uh, was interesting to watch. You're like, well, things could have gone a lot worse. Look at this. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay, the particulars. The particulars, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane was released October 31st, Halloween, 1962. Halloween Day. Halloween Day, 1962. It is produced and directed by Robert Ulrich, Ulrich, who also did Kiss Me Deadly, The Dirty Dozen, The Longest Yard, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, to name a few. Nerd Alert. Okay, guys. Robert came from money. Like, he was not rich, but wealthy. He came from the all riches of Rhode Island. His aunt married John D. Rockefeller Jr. Ooh, the Got Roxes. They sunk the Titanic. Of uh, the, yes, of the Standard Oil and whatnots. The Rockefellers. Um, when he was a young man, so he was a young man, came about of age in his teenage years, early 20s and whatnot during the Depression. And he kind of started to question his family's politics and what was going on around him. Oh, wow. He was real smart. So he was on he was majoring in economics and all this stuff. And then he dropped out of college his senior year and he went to an uncle And the uncle hooked him up as a production clerk at RKO Studios. And when that happened, he was disinherited, cut off from the family money. And he went on to become a filmmaker who, quote, depicted corruption and evil unflinchingly and pushed limits on violence throughout his career. Oh, right. He had a... He had some family issues. uh Uh-huh. Had a bit of firsthand knowledge. And then luckily he had an uncle to um, give him some boots and straps 
and get yes. him in the door. And then exactly. he was able to, you know, work his way up. It was written by Lucas Heller, who also did Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, The Dirty Dozen and Flight of the Phoenix. It's based on the novel Whatever Happened to Baby Jane that was published in 1960 by Henry Farrell. The music is by Frank DeVol, who also did Pillow Talk, The Glass Bottom oh. Boat, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. The director of photography is Ernest Holler, who also did Gone with the Wind, Jezebel, that was, that was Betty Davis, Mildred Pierce, that was Joan Crawford, and Rebel Without a Cause, among many others. And because you'll note that he did Jezebel and Mildred Pierce, he had an excellent relationship with both actresses. Mm -hmm. And so he was kind of the only cameraman that both of these actresses were like, yeah, this guy knows how to film me. Wow. Um, The editor is Michael Luciano, who also did Kiss Me Deadly, The Dirty Dozen and The Longest Yard. Lots of Dirty Dozen in here. Well, because see, that's like that's kind of a common theme is that um, Robert Ulrich directed it, and so kind of people work with the same people. He's got his posse, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why um, one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of um, you know people hire who they're comfortable working. Who with. they they have worked with before, so you, yeah, so youngins don't have a lot of ability to get and in. different. Um, different ethnicities women as well you know these are just a bunch of guys they made this movie together now we're gonna go make this movie together now Mm -hmm. we're gonna make this movie together and you know i mean that's that's how the world works starring betty davis as jane hudson she was around 54 when this movie was made so she Mm -hmm. was also in jezebel which we did all about eve which we did of Human Bondage and now Voyager. So she's one of the just tops of the tops movie stars. Joan Crawford as Blanche Hudson. She was 58. So she was four years. Well, remember, though, I'm taking because there's nobody really knows when Joan Crawford was born. So I just went by the oldest date in Wikipedia because I know that that would really get under her skin. (laughs) Not to, but I I like Joe Crawford. I feel like she would she would tip the old cap to me for doing that. Like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. I, I see and I get that. Um, so she was in Straight Jacket, which we did last week. Mildred Pierce, the women, and Johnny Guitar. The little Blanche is played by thirteen thirteen year old Blanche is played by Gina Gillespie. She was Pippi Longstockings in an episode of Shirley Temple's storybook. Hmm. And allegedly she was discovered by Alfred Hitchcock at the age of four. But I don't know. Hmm. That, that could be a Wikipedia myth for all I know. Uh, Victor Buono was mm-hmm. Edwin, Edwin, Edwin Flagg. He was also in Robin in the Seven Hoods, The Greatest Story Ever Told, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. There is a very problematic picture of him on his Wikipedia page that shows him guest starring on the television show The Wild Wild West as a Chinese merchant. Oh no! So it's it's a very and and it goes to the like what we were just mentioning. You know, people hire people who. Why could you not just cast a Chinese actor? 
Because there were some. I watched The Wild Wild West, too. And he also did several comedy albums. We have Mady Norman as Elvira Stint. Stint, Stit. She was a radio stage, film, TV actress, as well as an instructor in African-American literature and theater. She had a Bachelor of Arts degree from Bennett College and a master's degree in drama from Columbia University. Damn. Uh Uh-huh. And she played the maid. I would just like to point out that Joan Crawford stopped going to school in the sixth grade. So, see? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm-hmm. She had to call her Miss Blanche. Right. I got all this. Okay. Um, she has this great quote, quote, in the beginning, I made a pledge that I would play no role that deprived black women of their dignity. And remember, she was also in Susan Slept Here because I was reading. I was like, this I knew she was in something else. Yes. She was in Susan Slept Here, The Well. She was in a ton of television, like Good Times, The Jeffersons and Perry Mason. And I think you could tell like her role in this. She wasn't. Um, it was like, it's what she said. She was very conscious about what she was doing. And it isn't like, um, after this, that's when she became a teacher. She was going around on tours and stuff in the fifties doing literature, teaching, just being an all around excellent person. Yes. So good on her. Anna Lee as Mrs. Bates. She is AKA the British bombshell. She was in How Green Was My Valley, The Hangman Also Die. She was uncredited in The Sound of Music. And mm-hmm. this blew my mind, Ma. Do you rem- Do you know what she was also in? She's very familiar to me. Very, mm-hmm. very familiar to me. You know why? Because she was Lila Quartermain in General Hospital. Her mind goosebumps. Goosebumps. Uh Yes, I knew I knew that voice, but there was something that wasn't adding up to me. I put it. I I was also me too. I'm like, why is this woman so familiar to me? I don't understand it. And then I read like, oh, she was in General Hospital. I'm like, well, who was she? It was like Lila Quartermain. Here's another thing. Dumb of them all. We'll get into this later when we do cast a little bit, but. In 1981, she was in a car accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. And I had no idea. This. And then I go back in my mind of like General Hospital. And I always just assumed she was an old lady just sitting. It never occurred to me. She was in a wheelchair. She was in a wheelchair. Yeah. 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 I remembered her being in a wheelchair and I just assumed it was because she was old and couldn't stand up that long anymore. Yeah. 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 Wow. And came back and continued her role. Yeah, I mean, Lila Quartermaid. I'm like, man. Regal. Yes. Uh, you know what? Then I think, it, and I was like, the hair. She had the helmet hair. Yeah, all she did the have the helmet through. hair. Yeah. And finally, we have B.D. Merrill, yes. who played Liza Bates, the daughter of Mrs. Bates. She, in real life, is the oldest daughter of Betty Davis. Yeah. Uh And uh, And she's a birth child of Betty Davis. She is a birth child of Betty Davis. We'll have more on her later. I'm just going to say the acting gene did not get passed down. 
No, she is. Um, okay, so I found an interview with her from the 2000s. She is a born again Christian with her own oh. ministry in Charlottesville, Virginia. And okay. based on this 2000 um, interview, I feel if somebody gave me money and had to put money down on is this person vaccinated or not, I I would feel comfortable placing my chips in the unvaccinated camp. But that's based on an interview that was a few years old. Times could change. That's and then I'm thinking of the of the charlottesville incident and i'm thinking she probably was on the side well, no, of i don't i don't know about that i'm only well, i'm just I'm, it's just a, i'm just pro 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 procrastinating pro, not procrastinating but there's another it's thing that can go search in there. with liz bush <laughs> pro gr- um, I am. Oh, I just had it too. Anyway, I'm. I'm just giving an opinion. A total. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. There. I have no facts at all. Nothing to back it up. Neither do I. The only facts I have is that she, in her interview, talked about how people with that had AIDS and HIV suddenly did not have it because of the power of her oils and uh, okay. prayers and stuff. So I'm like, oh, she's definitely in the Jesus is protecting her from. Right, right. That's that's the reason why I said it. She might need that to be able to. I I can't imagine her childhood was an easy one. Well, she also wrote a book like Christine Crawford. And I, I have that later on somewhere in my notes. So those are my particulars. Bravo. Well, I did wonder which was the older because, uh, and in my my um, tasty nuggets, it, it talks about um, Joan Crawford really had to be talked down from her glamour. Oh well, like, oh. remember last week we were talking about in, in Straight Jacket, Joan Crawford's past and how she stopped going to school when she was in sixth grade and she was abused by stepfather. Um, so she became a flapper. So everything that she kind of attained in her life at first was had to do with her face and her looks, her, yeah. and, her looks. and then she also developed, you know, into being a great actress, but she's an actress. And in the time she's living, it's all basically coming down to her looks. And she does. It's not like she's, um, like uh, the woman who plays Elva. It's not like she's Mrs. Norman and she can fall back on her master's degree, you know? Right, right. Like it's all right. about, all she knows is she's has that inferiority complex about not having a hot, being highly learned and edumacated. And she's, she knows she has these looks and they are fading. And she's like, no, we are keeping this as yeah. long as we can. And she and she did it well, because, I mean, you compare and it was black and white film from the 60s. But her skin compared with Betty Davis, which is supposed to be this is how mm-hmm. it's supposed to be with uh, the makeup Betty had on was. Yeah, she was winning the, the skin war. But as far as a character, because this was why like, because Betty and Joan, they had a feud and stuff. But this is one of the issues with it is that. Betty Davis made her decision, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But with Joan Crawford, 
it was no, but you've been an invalid for 20 years yeah. up in this room. You wouldn't look like this. Where, right. How are you getting your hair done and your nails? And who's right. your sister is keeping you up like Elvira's doing all of this for you. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's true. <clears throat> OK, well, I will set the table. The movie starts with crying and a male voice saying, Want to see it again, little girl? It shouldn't oh, frighten God. you. Wasn't well, that like, freaky. that was freaky. And then it showed a jack-in-the-box that was also crying. Yeah, yeah. scary. Um, then we see a marquee for baby Jane Hudson, a tap-dancing, singing little girl. Standing in the wings is a miserable-looking... I thought older sister, but then I read later, I think she was the younger sister. And, I thought older too. And mother, she looked older than uh, baby Jane. Yeah, I thought she was older too because she's baby Jane. She was the yeah. younger one. Yeah, I read but something she was just, that said know, that she was, uh, okay. So anyway, that was in 1917, I believe. Mm -hmm. So that was, in the midst of WW1. 1917. Well, it was, yeah, it was vaudeville. I mean, that was the, you know, that's what Buster Keaton was doing. That was the entertainment because movies, yeah. movies were in their very infancy. So that's how, instead of going to movies, people would go to basically like the theaters and they would just, people would come in and they would just have all these different shows. Yeah. 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 Which any kind of entertainment. Yeah. Then we skip to 1935, and Jane is in a movie and is really bad. Her sister Blanche is, in, is the movie star, and her contract stipulates Jane must be in every movie. Blanche is the biggest thing in movies today. We then see a car crash into an well, wait, iron before, be Ma, before we get to that, remember when they were little kids, the mother said... Now, one I day. Know, like one day, like the tables are going to turn and I want you to remember and not be as mean as your sister and father are to you now. And she was like, I don't I have the quote later, but yeah. um, well, yeah. I, I will remember. So yeah. the mother knew, like, oh, you're actually talented in a different way and you're going to be. Well, actually, you know, I just watched King Richard. It was kind of, I mean, without as much toxicity and stuff, but you know how like Venus was the first one. And then mm -hmm. it was like, hey, I know this is tough for you, but I think that like, you're actually going to be end up better than your, even how good your sister is mm -hmm. to little sister Serena. So that's kind of those vibes. Sisters. Except their relationship seems much healthier. <laughs> yes. Well, I. Anything would be healthier than this relationship. Then we go to present day where Blanche is in is wheelchair bound and Jane has to take care of her. What could go wrong? So much, so much, so much has gone wrong from the beginning. OK, I counted two people of color. I'm usually wrong. No, I have two as well. Elvira and Ernie. Ernie, the um, the refreshment stand. Dude. Ah, yes. 
Where Although, also though, just to put put in the colorism, both I think on the light skinned spectrum of things, well, like, mm-hmm. especially with Ernie, I was mm-hmm. like, wait, is he? Um, and so we get to cast. Teeny, do you have anything? Um. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a lot of cast that it's hard to articulate. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I was trying to look up, I couldn't find a lot online. Like I'm, I was trying to look up like the portrayal of her being in a wheelchair, but they definitely made her seem like she couldn't do anything for herself. Exactly. Being in a wheelchair when a lot of people live very independent lives. I mean, there's this girl on TikTok. Crap. What is her name? Um, that I follow and she is in a wheelchair and she has, it's like very interesting because I mean, TikTok has given a platform, like she does so much stuff, but she shows like how she gets ready in the morning and she has like a, you know, caregivers that are with her all the time. But like, she is doing all of her makeup though. Mm. She has incredible makeup skills. And I think she has somebody that like helps to hold her up or like helps hold her arms up because her, I think her arms are weaker, but just the whole, I I did watch a couple videos of how you would go down the stairs if you needed to. Exactly. She did not really seem to, uh, she didn't seem to have Aaron's upper arm strength. (laughs) Well, but a lot of that is so like for the cast, like we've already established that there's two people of color. So this story is taking place in the upper upper quadrant of the cast. So, that, But then within that higher mm-hmm, cast, mm-hmm. there's casts within that cast. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely, um, so it highlights the ableism that's in our society because, yes. I mean, we can't even, good luck for us even doing a movie where, there is a depiction of people with different abilities. Oh, yeah. God forbid it, they hire somebody who was actually in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's not happening. Also, the American with Disabilities Act wasn't signed until July 26, 1990. 1990. So oh, the world, even though there's this world is showing her in 1962 in a wheelchair, do you know that like how... Is there anybody in the writing staff or in the room who has that that is able to chime in with a depiction? No. But then also think about in 1962, what was it like to be in a wheelchair? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, that is true. Uh, that, was, that was my big that was my big power of cast. That, that's a good one because I was mm-hmm. looking at it with the the ableism because I think like, we've talked about it before on other things, but that's just something where you just walk through life and don't really take into account how much the world is just catered to to people right, with exactly yeah well, um, and especially in 1962 she probably yes. couldn't leave the house with anybody else because they didn't have a ramp set up at her yeah place. yep. Or exactly. anywhere, like opening the doors and stuff. And you, it's, 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 yeah, really you need wider doors to be able mm-hmm. to get the wheelchair in and out. 
there's so many things that we just don't think about because we are just privileged with being able to uh, do all of these physical things. Um, but there are things to just kind of keep in mind, um, such as to listen to people when they request accommodation. You know, don't mm-hmm. don't poo poo it and be like, what are you talking about? Ah. Um, never touch a person or their equipment without consent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep evasive questions to yourself. <laughs> How did that happen to you? Mm-hmm. Don't speak on behalf of someone unless they ask you to. Mm-hmm. And I found because th- because uh, like people who think that they are woke, you know, that and they they're at Starbucks, say, and there's a person in a wheelchair behind them. You you want to show them I'm woke. I know that you're fully able to do what you but I want to help you because I'm woke. And that's not helping. They can advocate for themselves. And if they need your help, they can definitely ask. Right. Or you there's, can say, would you like me to hold the door for you? There's I found a tweet by Kyla Reed. Um, and it was about being an ally. Um, so being a supportive ally, always center the in always center the impacted. So A would be always center the impacted. L, listen and learn from those who live in oppression. L, leverage your privilege. And Y, yield the floor. So those are just oh. some reminders of like how to be a good ally. The girl on TikTok is, her name is on TikTok is Wheelie Aaron. <laughs> um. But also uh, on a note of accommodations, there's another girl on TikTok. I learned you can learn a lot on TikTok. Let me tell you that. And now I can't find her name, but she does like a lot of. Oh, her name is um, a caffeinated Desi, and she does like making cold brew and stuff like that. But she is. She's not. She. She has like a hearing. I don't know. If she's she. I don't think she's fully deaf, but hard she's of not hearing. Fully hearing, yeah. And um, she did a thing about how she because she has like these masks that have are clear right here. Oh, right so, here, yeah. So see. she can oh, see clip, the lips. So you can see lip reading. Yes. Um, but she wear you know she wears that, and she was talking about how she like just started a new job. And she went into work the other day and everybody was wearing those masks. And uh, it was just like a small thing that her office did. And she was like, at first I have a hard time feeling like, should I be like, obviously I'm grateful for that, but like, I shouldn't have to be grateful for that because exactly. that could just be normal, you know? And she was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, like nobody made a big deal about it. We just, I came in and everybody was wearing that. But, and she was like, I remember one time I was in college and I was going to see like a movie at the call that the college was putting on. And I asked for a uh, closed caption to be on and we were sitting at the movie. I think she can hear a little bit. And she said that somebody just yelled out, I didn't come here to read. And she was like, I never asked for accommodations after that. And it's like accommodations no. shouldn't be something that you have to ask for. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's I mean, that that's part of the thing of like, don't like listen to people when they ask for accommodation. Right. And, and like, that's that what, was the thing is she didn't. Oh, and like, 
she didn't even have to ask for that accommodation at work now, you know, like she mm -hmm. just went in and everybody was doing that. That should be a, we shouldn't, you know, we need to get better about not having to ask for common, you know, mm -hmm. people but need. that takes, that takes time. That takes like yeah. us to be like, Oh, wait a second. There's people who it's different right. from me and kind of be, yeah, it's a whole process. And also us not expecting their gratitude. Yeah, like, right. need, like, oh, I need to like pat me on Look the back. Look what I did. I made right. sure everybody had a mess mm -hmm. so you could read their lips. Me, I did that for mm -hmm. you. So then the other cast that is within this cast is sizeism. Um, the discrimination against fat people. Um, I came up because I was watching this and I was like, oh, Edwin is on the the he's a bigger man and i was thinking about it that how many times do we see that in films like we really you really don't even though we all look around and are out in society and see the sizes of people but especially in these older movies yeah you don't see it on film mm -mm. and as soon as you do you go there's something wrong with him so victor bruno he has this quote and that's this is why I put it in cast because when I was doing the particulars about the starring people, I read this quote about him and said, quote, I've heard or read about actors being asked that immortal question. Why have you never been married? They answer with the immortal excuse. I just haven't found the right girl. Because I'm on the hefty side, no one's asked me that yet. If they do, that's the answer I'll give. After all, if it was good enough for Monty Cliff or Salminio, mm. it trails off. But I thought it was fascinating that people didn't ask him why he was a confirmed bachelor because they just went based on his size. They were like, oh, we know why you're not yeah. married. Right. Which that's fucked up. Yeah, it is. And there's there's so many microaggressions and I'm guilty of it as well. You're on the airplane and somebody is walking by, and you're just like, oh, please, don't. you know, just that. That's a microaggression. Mm -hmm. That's sizeism. Um, watching people when they eat, looking at what's in their shopping cart and the like sizeism and fat shaming and that's the stigma around all that is so mm -hmm. it's one of the things that's so pervasive in our society that when we we talk about you know white supremacy and how white supremacy doesn't just like it it's to the point where it's so seeped in that not only white people uphold white supremacy and the same thing with sizeism mm -hmm. and fat shaming that fat people are also complicit in those uh in in, in that whole mm -hmm. anti-this of it and just little things like when you, you're putting on pants and like oh do i look fat in this like that's though that's microaggressions and ooh. well and just body shaming in general like adele just did an interview with oprah mm -hmm. and oprah was saying like you know like when i was doing weight watchers and lost weight a bunch of my fans like got really mad at me because um that you know i'm supposed to be fat and adele was like um you know she was going through a divorce 
And she was like, I, I didn't intend this. I didn't mean for this to happen. Like I just found out that the only time I wasn't severely anxious was when I was at my trainer. And she was like, so I found myself just booking more appointments with my trainer. Like I would have a 9 a.m. appointment at the trainer and then a 1 p.m. appointment hiking. And it was not for me to lose weight. It was because I, uh, I just felt that's when I was not anxious. And she was like, I can't be held responsible for other people's feelings. And I think that goes both ways, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we've gotten so much into like, it just everybody has an opinion on everything. It's like stay in your own fucking lane. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it's like, how did you lose that weight? Because I want to lose that weight. And if you had weight loss surgery, tell me so I can go have weight loss surgery. And she said, if I gain it back, I gain it back. It's mm-hmm. yeah. She was like, I'm. I've always been body positive, and I was happy with my body then, and I'm happy with it now. And I don't know what it'll be like in a few years, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna be happy with it then. Yeah. Nobody looked at what it was in our shopping cart today because holy shit. Thanksgiving week. Yeah. And they're not going to look at you too and and say what's in that. That's true. They would not. But Mm -hmm. it's like the same people will post. There's this whole trend on TikTok. I guess it's on the internet. I'm sorry. I was just TikTok (laughs) sponsored by TikTok today. It's called Mukbang. Have you ever heard of Mukbang? Yes. It's it's the when the, the, uh, is it like, from Asia, Asian countries, and particularly uh-huh. women, they just eat, consume mass quantities of food. It's just watching people eat on yeah. TV. Like, it's an eating show, basically. And these skinny girls will do it, and people just love to watch it. But then you put a fat fat girl on there, mm-hmm. oh. and it's, oh, why are you eating that? You shouldn't be eating that. Mm. Yeah. It's like the thing with Lizzo. Like you see Lizzo and yeah. people are like, oh, you need to. And then you see her perform and do a show. And it's, oh, my gosh. She is like she's in shape. Oh, wow. yeah. So and people yeah. got mad at her when she started working out with a trainer. Mm-hmm. Like they, because people want to identify with they like it's so much of it has to do with personal acceptance and personal self-love. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what really body positivity is, is like where like meeting yourself wherever you are. And then if you right. want to go on a journey to get healthier, because there are skinny people who are susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes and all of that. It's just obesity. It tend, like you have to be honest with yourself about like, well, why are you? Obese? Like, do, is it a condition where you have a thyroid thing and it's that or are you eating things, highly processed foods, and that kind of thing? And that, there's an you are, and that's your own exactly. And that, that's, that's how that's you. It, it it all comes down to you and self responsibility. Everybody talks about so much right now about personal freedoms and stuff, but nobody talks about personal accountability and responsibility. And that goes both ways with like how you feel about that goes with how you feel about yourself mm-hmm. and sizeism. And I definitely can be better about ableism and sizeism in my own life. I think that everybody in society can also. Yeah. It's like, look at Oprah. I mean, she has always wanted to be skinny. She got skinny, but then she gained it back and she's successful. So I don't have to lose. I don't have to lose weight if Oprah doesn't have to lose weight. 
You know, I mean, that's that's, the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you living your life based on somebody else. And and, and and the perception of that person and how you yeah. want to be perceived. And Rather right, than like how you right. feel. Right. So we are now to nerd alerts. Yes. So 19, this came out October 1962. <laughs> I was 10. You were 10 years old. The United 10. States Navy, SEAL, Air and Land teams were activated. AKA the Navy SEALs. Ah. That's what SEAL stands for. Sea, air, sea, air, and land. Because those oh, are the, the special. So, so the C oh, gets that? two letters. Air and yeah, land only get one. They need to work on that. I agree. Okay, but that's kind of how like military things go. <laughs> it's just well, so many. I don't, and it's stupid. So there, there you have it. Change it. There was a military coup in the Dominican Republic and then a counter coup and the old government came back, except they had a new president. Um, The U.S. starts an embargo against Cuba. More on that later. Oh, yeah. Danny, because remember October 62. We had our bomb shelter downstairs already. Really? It was just our basement and with some canned food. Well, Ohio tornadoes. Oh, I live well, in a no, Ohio. Yeah. I was right by General Electric where they were making the jet engines. So oh. that was a that was a possible bomb site. Mm. So we've always just been the Bush family's always just been magnets for possible bomb sites. <laughs> just yeah, we yeah we tend to live in yeah. Mm-hmm. Danny Thomas founded. St. Jude's Saint Children's Jude's. Research Hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we never found out why. Involved in some not great things right now, aren't they? Yeah. St. Jude. I didn't get to aren't look. Aren't they like stealing money? Something. Oh, I no. don't know. Okay, I'm well, I'll look it up. Okay. I'll- First Lady Jackie Kennedy takes TV viewers on a tour of the White House. She did. It was so cool. It was so cool. Because that's the only time I got to see the White House. And she had this really breathy voice because she was nervous. And then everybody made fun of her. (laughs) We're in the blue room. That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. I personally loved every minute of it. On black and white TV. Mm-hmm. Just small. <laughs> Super small. Um, Not quite that small, but <laughs> pretty freaking small. Kmart, Walmart, Target, and Taco Bell were all founded in 1962. Target? No way. Yep. What? That's not real. No way. <laughs> oh, I don't think I don't, Maybe that. not. I don't know. This is wow. what Wikipedia said. Where was the first Target? I think it's probably somewhere in Minna, in Minnesota. I didn't in look Minnesota? it up. Minnesota? Oh, that's why we wouldn't know. Well, Minneapolis. Because, because the, well, that's, that's where the headquarters Minnesota. is. Did you know that Minneapolis is in Minnesota? I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the <laughs> land of 10,000 um, lakes. That's where the Lakers first were. That's why they're the. Wow. The I first did not know was that. In Colorado. Let me, I gotta get a picture of the first Target. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wonder if it was as great it is as now. Oh, no. They had to they had to, to shimmy things up. Cause you know why? 
because Kmart was also first started in 1960. Yeah. And look what happened with that. Yeah, Kmart, Kmart. Oh, they didn't make it. No, because. Mm-mm. Wow, I 1962. Think- yeah, see? Oh, they still got the same logo. It was previously called Dayton's. Oh. They had an idea for the name Target because they wanted the new retailer to hit the center bullseye in terms of service and products. Well, they don't have Outstanding. Good service, that was good. That was good uh, marketing. Hmm? Target is a new idea in discount stores. Brings you a happy combination at the best of today's shopping worlds. That's true. It's very happy in there. It is. It's a happy place. Wow. It looks I'm, the old ones. I'm sure. Sorry. I just thought. Yeah, I remember the last time I ever went in a Kmart. I walked out it? and went, I will never <laughs> go in another Kmart again. It was I do in too. Springfield Plaza. Mm. And I and the mm. and the cashier was so rude and so rude not to me but to the the workers around him and it was filthy and I made a pledge. I mean they look like they were going out of business when they first opened. I feel oh, like yeah, it was bad. Mm. It was bad. My last Kmart was the Kmart that was on so Sherman Way, probably close to 20 years ago. I went in and I was like, oh, that's it. I I will be I will be going elsewhere. And then I went to a Walmart nearby and I was like, mm, you know what? And that is it for that. And then I discovered my target and I have been loyal, red heart target shoppers. I miss I miss Target. I will say when you were two, mm-hmm. you did enjoy Go Go Kmart. Well, because my grandma would always give me, get me like a little dollar toy. Yeah. A little like play car, a little play motorcycle. I, d- I did love Go-Go Kmart. It was. It was when she was Christmas shopping for me and found the blue polyester jacket that she said, it just screamed your name. And I went, oh, God. <laughs> Is that where we are? That Kmart polyester jacket is screaming my name. Roger you still have Roger. that jacket, Aaron. Oh, I like that jacket. Yes, you did. That was gonna. I wore that jacket all through high school. That was yes, my lounge did. jacket. I yes, felt like did. Dean Martin in that jacket. Yes, you did. It was your smoking jacket. It was my smoking. smoky jacket. I love that jacket. Oh, okay. The first Walmart was in Arkansas. Yep, and I think oh, the first Kmart was in Michigan. The first Taco Bell was in Downey, California. I, I don't mind a Taco Bell, truth be told. I don't either, but I've been on a health Bell. kick and I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had any either. I haven't had it. But the movers that helped uh, Babs, she said, you know, the best breakfast burrito is a Taco Bell breakfast burrito. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a nice breakfast, like, um, I forget what it's called. It's basically a burrito, but it's not in the, rolled up in a burrito. It's rolled up in there like hexagonal. Thing oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, in August 1962, Marilyn Monroe is found dead. Mm. Mm. Scandal that has yet to be ever. Well, there's what? a great podcast. I think it's called Badlands. 
and they had an episode about Marilyn Monroe that I listened to. And I, when I finished it, I was like, I think this guy solved it. I, I think this sounds about right. So it has to do not so much that it was a suicide, but that it was, she was getting prescriptions from different doctors yeah. and they, the doc, it was just like the doctors messed up and gave, like told her to, like she was freaking out and the doctors told her to take something and didn't realize that she had already taken something else. And so then they right. kind of, the weirdness of everything has to do with them covering up their what is it malpractice i think with like them realizing that they messed up when she called them and you know oh take this meanwhile she had already taken this and when you take this Uh, and that yeah yeah accidental overdose is pretty much what they're saying yeah well that's that definitely works for everybody involved and well i mean she it's not like she was a super happy person. I don't think that she wanted to specifically that night end her life, but she was definitely not happy. She was like, ah, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Um, John F. Kennedy says the United States will put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. The Beatles' first single of their own, Love Me Do, debuts in the U.K., Love, love me do. Dr. No is the first James Bond film, and that comes out. And then what October 1962 is really known for is 13 days of, I don't know how stressed you were as a (laughs) 10-year-old, and I don't know how stressed everyone else in the world is, but this is one of those things where you read back on it in history and are like, oh my God, you guys. We came so close to a nuclear war in October 1962. So on October... And we had a very young president. Yes. A very young president. Very young president. So it's known as the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, yes, it was. On October 14th, there... um, So the U.S. Because, you know, World War II ended. So the, the whole world is pretty much split between democracy and communism the united Mm -hmm. states and the soviet union and it's a whole race to build sides what side are you on and all that so um a revolution happens in cuba you you got castro and stuff and so it's communism and cuba is very close to florida extremely close (laughs) very close to florida like 60 miles very very close but it's florida but it's florida so the U.S. was running, uh, you know, spy stuff. And they saw that there were nuclear installations being built on Cuba. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, excuse us. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it was, yeah, Khrushchev and the Soviet mm-hmm. Union. They're like, yeah, what you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And Kennedy's like, you can't. What are you doing? No. And so it was like super tense, super tense. So like everybody is basically it's a game of chicken, white knuckling it. Like who's going to be first? Yeah. Um, So then on the 28th, the Soviets removed the missiles that they have put in Cuba. They removed them. But what wasn't made public was that the United States 
also had missiles that were in Turkey. And if you look at a map and see where Turkey is to the Soviet Union, it's kind of like, oh, well, it's just saying. Yeah, it's like, so the U.S. quietly removed the missiles from Turkey, but in public opinion, it made it look like, ah, Kennedy stood up to the Russian, to the Soviet Union and stuff. And meanwhile, it's just like, the Soviets are just, but you removed it. We we were, we only did because you, but it's like, Mm -hmm. oh man, no, we won. But it got, it was real tense. There's this movie, 13 Days, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is yeah. white knuckle. Yeah. I I mean, it wasn't something that the kids were all talking about in the neighborhood, but the parents were definitely on edge and, you know, putting those canned stewed tomatoes in the basement was going to make it okay. Mm-hmm. And we were going to be okay. Yeah. Hiding under your desk was going to... Exactly. It's going to stop right. the nuclear holocaust from getting on me. <laughs> So we had the top five films from 1962 were number five, Mutiny on the Bounty, number four, That Touch of Meek, number three, The Music Man, and number number two, Lawrence of Arabia. And the top grossing film of 1962 was The Longest Day. The Longest Day. Remember, we did The Longest Day. Yeah. And the yeah. Academy Awards for Best Picture were the nominees, to Kill a Mockingbird, Mutiny on the Bounty, uh, The Music Man, The Longest Day, and The Winner, which we're going to have to do at some point. We're just going to have to buckle down and get through that movie. Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. I, I, I saw it in a, you know, like one of those grand theaters that you think of from long ago where all the gold gilding mm-hmm. and, the, and the red velvet uh, curtains and everything. That's where I saw Gone with the Wind. That's where I saw this Lawrence of Arabia. All I remember I'm sorry. is my mother saying three how hours. she was. It is three hours. And 47 minutes. No, it's four yeah. hours. It's no wonder she was thirsty. Yeah. There was an intermission. Mm-hmm. And you could go out to the lobby and buy drinks. But It's got 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's what we're gonna it's have to do it. Sir Lawrence Olivier. We might have to it no, might be a, I thought it was Peter O'Toole. It is Peter yeah. O'Toole. It is Peter O'Toole. Aren't they the same person? <laughs> um you no, hey, it, you can say that. <laughs> no, they are not. Um maybe it can be a two week one. Oh, that would have to be a two week one. Yeah, yeah. Because, okay. I mean, we're going to have to replenish drinks. <laughs> That's like when we do Dr. Shivago. We're going to do Dr. Shivago, too. It's on HBO Max. Oh, that might, it might be coming up. And it'll, it'll have to be a two-episode a two, a two one, Teeny. I won't do that to you, but Omar Sharif in his prime. What's three? That's only three hours seventeen. It's just all these war movies, like yeah, yeah. Okay, Christine, do you have any nerd alert? No, sure don't. Okay, so we are two reheatables, negatives. She was a Scotch drinker, man. She was drinking Red Label Johnny Walker. 
Scotch and gin were her drinks of choice. I have that as a good reheatable because y'all know what I've said about people who drink scotch. And so it came true. Now, the gin part was a little, you know, I don't like being lumped in there. Uh, child stars. I mean, there are very few child stars that make it out without issues. And that's the, the crazy thing is that we're talking about a movie that came out in 1962 where they're commenting on child star from 1917. So it's not like it's a new phenomenon. It's, it seems very no. much in step with just America and the world in general. Like, oh, we know that this is a problem, but why would we want to address it or fix it? Did anybody else get the uh, the vibe uh, of the father-daughter incest? Vibe? Yeah, that was a little. Yeah, okay, thank you. Ringlets. Okay, ringlets on a, on a little girl, fine. I know your ringlets no. are gorgeous, Aaron. They aren't but these not natural. Yeah. Oh. Like yeah, the No, not oh, when you mean the cultural 50s. appropriation of her hair? Yeah, that's a definitely a negative. <laughs> no, not when you're in your 50s. Um the buzzer. Now, come on, Joan Crawford. Buzz once, but sitting on that buzzer is not going to help your insane sister come up there and be nice to you. That, that just, well, things have gotten a little bit personal on this one. <laughs> that, that definitely was like a nightmare, just just a twitching of like, guess who wasn't given a bell? Uh, and, and bracelets. Betty Davis had those multiple bracelets on. See, I'm, there needs to be a study done on jangly bracelets causing in, um, mental instability, mental in, health or, issues. Or a tar, or um, uh, promoting it, not promoting it, not targeting it, but, but sending it over the edge. Well, they say that there are certain frequencies which will calm mm -hmm. you. So wouldn't mm -hmm. the inverse also be mm -hmm. true? I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. And was that a heart-shaped beauty mark on her face? Oh, God. It was. I thought I, it was a, an, a mole. Like I a did, Mac, too. A Mac-style mole thing going. And then I was like, no, that's intentional. It's a heart. There was one. Now, the heart didn't always look like a heart because, oh. you know, but, but there was one scene one close slice up. one close-up uh, where it was definitely a heart and okay those are my negatives um i only had two keeping your empty liquor bottles like you're yeah. in college yeah really Oh, well, no. I keep them in the recite. I just, for uh, the pandemic, threw out all of my bottles into the, I was like, How wow. How them out there? How many were there? A hundred? <laughs> no, there weren't. There weren't a hundred. There were two. I had two bags. Because the, the cans I smushed down. Oh. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I used to go to the, I used to go to, in the before times, I would take them and get, you know, my $15 back, like in the recycling. But now that was one of the things where I was like, you know what? I see people and they go through and they pick them out and they definitely need them. And if I, and there have been times where I've got, I've gone, I've gotten back from a run and I've seen somebody and I've been like, hold stay here. And I've gone and given them by massive bags of things and empty Hendrix bottles. They've been quite (laughs) well. You don't have as many bottles when you buy. Like, that was the thing. When she was ordering her booze, she was just bottles. And that's what I put down. Oh, you only have one size of booze. Because when you buy the Costco size of Hendrix gin, you know, you don't have all of these bottles. It's just. Yeah, that's not who you are. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, look. She when does I know go, her mother-in-law, doesn't she? <laughs> we go through, we'll go through some, we'll do some damage because it's my vacation time. I'm on vacation time. My normal life, like, you know, I'm pretty good about sequestering it to the weekend. We need to double you. our order when Aaron comes. Yeah, when, when I come in, though, it's, it's uh, gullet open. <laughs> gunk, 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 gunk. And my other one is advertisement Mm. they said that multiple times instead of advertisement advertisements yeah Mm. okay that's good did you catch the the pepsi at the refreshment stand i didn't catch it i read about it i didn't catch it either i read about it okay uh my negative reheatables would be child labor um, because man, vaudeville. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, when I look at that, when I was seeing baby Jane in, from my, where I was born in history, I think of, oh, this is like Shirley Temple, but Shirley Temple came after she was like, what, in the thirties and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is baby Jane in before film mm-hmm. she predated film and vaudeville so she's traveling around doing stage performances night after night and there's a there's a new documentary on hbo max called jagged about alanis morissette and she makes the point mm. about when she because she started off as kind of like you know a child star and stuff and that she she has a great quote, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something about how when she was a, still a child that she had a job. Like she mm-hmm. had to be someplace at a certain time and mm-hmm. how that will that will just mess you up. Even in, in the best of circumstances, that will mess you up because now yeah, cause sudden- children are supposed to be doing what they want to do. Exactly. It's the only it's the only 18 years of your life when you kind of can do what you want to do so that was so in this movie that's 1917 i looked it up and the fair labor standards act of 1938 set the national minimum wage for the first time and a maximum number of hours for workers in interstate commerce and also placed limitations on child labor in effect the appointment of children under the age of 16 years of age was prohibited in manufacturing and mining 
So it wasn't even like the, like vaudeville, like y'all still good. It wasn't until 1949 that Congress amended the child labor laws to include businesses not covered in the 1938 act, like commercial agriculture, transportation, communications, and public utilities. So up until 1949, <laughs> you could just have kids. <laughs> just, yeah. Hey, Oprah said they're little people. Wild. <laughs> Um, did you notice the weird painting in the Bates living room? There was a weird painting behind her and I marked it down and then I came across it in my research. Margaret Keene. So Joan Crawford was a collector of Margaret Keene's yes, big eyes. Big eyes. Yeah. Joan Crawford was a big collector of those and the big eyes. That's why that painting was in there. I was like, what the? And I remember, I think there's a movie with like Emma Stone or something about it's not Emma guys. Stone. It's not Emma, Emma it's Stone. Somebody. It's somebody. Somebody, another redhead. Yeah. And not I was Amy like, Adams, but uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And how the husband took credit for all those. And how when I saw him, I always thought, you know, it was like painted on velvet. It looked so. It did. And maybe that's just, you know, you rubbing your snobbishness <laughs> rubbing Probably. off on me. Hey, I, I like it because I looked at it and I was like, what the hell is that on that person's wall? That's how I was. I went, that's a big eye thing. And it it might have been Amy Adams. I think it was. Yeah, um, that's Amy Adams. So this like, you know, you live we live in Southern California. I live in Southern California, and there are two-story houses, but there are also a lot of ranch style houses. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought maybe we should have a ranch style layout house for uh, Blanche. Well, they already lived there, right? Yeah. No. Bought, I she bought that they... house before the accident. Yeah. Oh, so I was kind of like, yeah. Um, if something were to happen and in my life, my brother is all of a sudden taking care of me and he plates a dead bird for lunch for me. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I know his goose is cooked. Like, right. like the movie would have, my movie would have ended in that moment where it's just like, oh, the bird, oh, it flew away. And then she lifts up the thing and the bird yeah. is there. I'm like, you know what? It's been nice. <laughs> it's been swell, my man. But um, this situation is over. I'd throw myself down the steps, throw myself down the steps in that wheelchair. Yeah. Another battery heatable, I think, are the Bates um, and the daughter's hair, just the helmet hair. Well, her whole performance was so stilted. Yeah. It was was just not good. This is coming from a true thespian. (laughs) Again, another drinking of milk. Just Mm. Edwin, just drinking milk. They just loved milk back then. Yeah. Um, okay. This is about my main girl, Elvira. I feel like if there, if more people of color had a say in that writer's room, that they would have pointed out that there is no way in hell that Elvira is putting down that hammer. Like she's, she's not putting down that because she was the only one that knew in the movie, like, yo, 
Baby Jane is crazy. And she says crazy. Like, she didn't know the, per, you know, the nomenclature of the times of, like, she's mentally unhealthy. She would not have put that down. Nor would she have turned her back on Jane. That's my LVP. Because my LVP is Elvira turning her back on crazy. <laughs> she is. This is 1962. Yeah. And she's already at the point where she's going to call the cops on this white woman. And you're going to tell yeah. me that if you're, if you're already at that point where you're going to do that, you're going to put down your hammer and you're going to turn your back on the person that you're going to like, do you know how far, like how just out of it like you have reached the the top capacity where your only recourse of action is to call the police in los angeles in 1962 where they are actively uh recruiting members for their force from the kkk <laughs> you're, you're like i'm gonna call these people on this white woman and i'm gonna turn my back and put down my weapon no it's not happening Agreed. Um, this is a shout out to my friend Jess. It just must have been a different son. Because Joan, Blanche, and Jane are just out there on the beach. And I'm like, y'all aren't cooking? Really? Because I've got my ankle sunburned out there in January. So, well, you can't always see it in the moment. <laughs> They're going to be, they were cooking. They'll see it tomorrow. This from somebody who knows. Yeah, yeah. I could tell, I could tell you, I believed that part. They're cooking. Now I'm going to say baby Jane, her face was not, her face was fine. Because oh, yeah, they had, had so much makeup on. So many yeah. layers of makeup, but her ears were going to burn and her legs were going to burn. And that little peep toe of that pump is going to burn. Ooh. And are we sure that the makeup that she's caking on isn't magnifying the sun, the sun somehow? Well, there is so much of a layer. There's no way the sun. Oh, yes, it's, 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 exactly. And and like Jess says, it was a different sun. Sun's <laughs> sun's different now. Um, I think in the beginning, isn't it a Rolls Royce that they're driving in that famous scene? Oh, so the I'm one that runs into yeah, the, yeah. I'm gonna, I have this as a bad reheatable uh, Rolls Royce's car safety. That and this is a spoiler alert, but uh, so so if you haven't seen it, you don't want to know this. Fast yeah, forward that's ahead. true. Um, Obviously, it needed some spine protection. Yeah, if you're just running into an iron gate and that causes you to snap your spine, Rolls Royce and your safety. This, whoo. Well, it was old, that was a long time ago. I know. I get, yeah. Car safety in general. Yes. Yeah. This is what I say again. Um, okay. This. So the movie, I feel like Blanche is always the victim of this. It's just the victim of Jane. But I was reading a synopsis of the novel. And in the novel, it says that Blanche took an active role to keep Jane from mental health help because she didn't want Jane to recover enough to remember that it was Blanche who tried to run her oh, over. Yeah, uh, yeah, How totally. They, oh, they kind of omitted that from mm -hmm. the whole story. And those are my negative reheatables. 
So now we are at positive reheatables, and I am going to start off with a very positive reheatable, Malibu. Mm. I do mm. enjoy my my little bit of time I'm able to spend in Malibu. That's where the um, ocean, the beach scenes are filmed. Of course, peep toe pumps. Mm. Still love me a peep toe pump. The solitaire board. Joan Crawford was playing solitaire on that solitaire board where the oh. the cards wouldn't move. Oh, yeah. Oh man, that's a great idea. Your mom would play solitaire. Yeah, all the time. She always tried to to teach me. That's the thing about me is in the, like those kind of games, I never retain it. Like dominoes. There's Spades. so many different versions of solitaire too. There's the pyramid. There, there's, yeah. I don't remember all of them either. I have a quote. Yeah, let's see. What's his number again? Oh yeah, when Betty Davis is like messing with Blanche, and she's saying, yeah, what's yeah? Wait, what's your doctor's number again? And pulls the paper out of her bosom. That Blanche tried to throw over to the neighbor. Uh, that's a great moment. Um, Elvira trying to outsmart crazy. I mean, Elvira did a really good job trying to, you know, like she stood her ground mm-hmm. to crazy until the end. Um, that transistor radio in the leather case, mm-hmm. that was like the ultimate transistor radio with a leather case you've got to be kidding me that was so cool did you have one of those no i never had i only had one in a plastic case oh no cheap it was plastic it's the future yeah (laughs) plastics i have mid-century modern is that what the house was uh, it's the furniture. Oh. Seems to be mid-century modern furniture. Mm. Am I an expert? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that, that wasn't their house, but the neighbor's house, right? Maybe. One of the houses. Yeah. Because their house was seemed very Victorian to me. But what do I know? It could be Victorian. Um, I Somebody's did like Victorian. I liked their stairs, the tired st- tiled stairs, very Spanish. Yes, yes, agreed. I had that too, and I also liked the the walls. How it was, yeah. I don't know what the even if that is a problematic styling, but I like that. Um, the jumpsuit action. They both of them had great jumpsuits. Yes, mm. yes. And then a liquor delivery liquor delivery service in the sixties. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Drizzly. And I still don't have one here. I know. Like Drizzly in the 60s. I'm about to make an order for this week. I really And I, I feel like they were gonna come deliver that like right away. She wasn't gonna mm-hmm. have to wait. No, because that was gonna be a size that was gonna be, you know, them in the black for the month. Yeah. I agree. Is that mine. it? Yeah. I- I have just because it's so creepy and it goes into what we were talking about last week with just the nursery rhymes, how they were creepy. 
Her song, I've written a letter to daddy. I know. I looked it up because I was like, is, was this a real song that kids sang? But the I don't think so. I think it was for this movie. The music was by Frank DeVoy, Vol, and the lyrics were by Bob Morell, who I think was married to Betty Davis. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But the part about putting the kisses where the stamp needed to be, I thought was kind of cute. And and then sending it up to heaven. Uh, well, there's that. I thought it was weird. Yeah, I just thought it, it was, was. It was. It was. It but was. it was perfect. It was so perfectly creepy, weird that exactly. I totally believe that that would have been a hit in 1917. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With her picture on the sheet music. Yeah. Yes. Um. The twist at the end. Yeah, I didn't because the whole it was good. But even though at the beginning, because I noticed like, oh, wait, we didn't really see who was driving. But in my mind, I was like, why would you ever let baby Jane drive? And then I as the movie was going on, much like last week, I rationalized it away of like baby Jane probably insisted upon driving. And that's why she was driving. I'm fine. I'm fine. And even though we didn't see it. Yeah. You're kind of like, well, no, that was done on purpose. Um, for Okay, I got a ma note in here. I don't know what this is for. I have Gen Z newspaper personal ad. LOL, good reheat? Gen so. Z. Oh, wait. Read it again. She put the personal ad in because she needed a an accompanist. Accompanist. Mm-hmm. Somebody who could accompany her on the piano. Yeah. And I, I, the I, guy, I think the newspaper guy, there was something about it that their interaction that made me say Gen Z. <laughs> and that was a good reheatable. So there's a little <laughs> Easter egg for you when you watch it. There what you was Eric talking about? Exactly. And please let me know. <laughs> um. I think that Betty Davis's makeup, it was super over the top. Everybody said when they saw her, oh, my gosh, I like I think you've gone too far. Because in her mind, Betty Davis was like, oh, Jane is the kind of woman who instead of, like you said, washing her face would just apply more and more makeup onto it. Um, it's one of those like, yeah, this is why like Betty Davis is one of the great actresses of all time. Because people thought, oh, it's going to be too much, but then it ends up working. I do think, though, that this has been a very, her makeup was very influential because it's gone on. Yeah. Hmm. I have it later. Okay, perfect. Remember um, that part in Feud when she comes out with it? I, that, uh, that scene in Feud really stands out in my mind. When Blanche is eating all of the the chocolates, I was just like, oh, that's me and Esther Price. And like, don't let it be Esther Price chocolate covered potato chips because. Oh, that's it. I think this is a great reheatable about design and construction, specifically of that staircase and how well it is made because she is asking a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. She was, but I felt like didn't I somebody that. I touch the bottom of and it moved a little bit? Didn't didn't the 
the um the accompanist shake that one time and it shook a little too much oh yeah i mean when when they have joan crawford i'm sure that the scenery department really reinforced that it was like yeah. it's not moving anywhere right uh, um and then my final good reheatable is that they actual the cops actually investigated elvira's disappearance yeah, that is odd. And when her body was found, it made the front page of the yeah, newspaper. That's true. That's a stretch. Um. Okay. Hey, I'll take this fake Hollywood victory where I maybe can get with it. the maybe with the Blanche, you know, accompaniment, you know, maybe, but like, not by itself. Yeah, I don't know. I just was like, oh, wow, a woman of color disappeared and the cops are actually investigating it. Although they did just call and were like, yeah, OK. Oh, she. Oh, yeah. She, you say she left there. OK. <laughs> actually, you know what? I get I bet Elvira's murder is still unsolved, even though they found baby Jane. And, you know, like the cops get her at the end and she's dancing on the the sand with melting strawberry ice cream melty strawberry the crowd comes around her i thought i thought the end of the film was that blanche crawled into the ocean and was just like that was it took herself out the game she should have the whole crowd comes around and they don't notice this woman in a blanket on the beach yeah exactly not many feet away from where they were. Okay, we are to quotables, and I've already done a couple. Like that first one in the very beginning of the movie. Oh, you want to see it again, little girl? Don't be afraid. Um, we're sisters, Elvira. We know each other very well. You know what that means? That means we know which buttons to push. Mm-hmm. How do you what what do you have in mind? Some nice little place where they can look after me? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Matter of you're, fact, you're welcome. Those are my quotables, and I'm out. <laughs> I have. I make some money so I can have what I want. Ooh, Didn't that I, remind you of Britney I, Spears? Everything she's gone through with her conservatorship. Which one? Are we talking about is is Britney couldn't use her money though? Britney Spears is well, but she's finally free, right? She can use her money now, right? Britney Spears is really both of the women in this movie. Yeah, she is. Uh, I want to order some liquor. I know. Give me that number, please. I didn't bring your breakfast because you didn't eat your din din. That's right. I don't know right. why that made me LOL. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. Then you mean all this time we could have been friends? Mm. No, you couldn't have been. <laughs> and then you weren't ugly then. I made you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, who said that to who? Doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it applies sister, to every, sister, everybody. No, it was um, the, the one in the wheelchair. I, why Blanche. can't I remember? Blanche. I don't know why I can't remember her name. Look at you being ableist. Just, yeah. just completely disregarding the name of the woman in the wheelchair. <laughs> I want, because I keep thinking that, I kept thinking that was Jane because of Joan. 
Yes. That's because she's an empath. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. When the, the <laughs> movie producer is watching, he's just like, oh, yeah. boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh, oh my boy. God. And then he says, she got a southern accent. Like, I got a southern accent. And I had to rewind it to watch it again because the first time I didn't hear a southern accent. And then I was yeah. like, oh my God, she does have a southern accent. Like, he has a southern accent. But Betty, but Betty Davis picked those herself oh yeah i have them in tasty nuggets where all the old movies were yes i mean she was able to say i wasn't great in this Mm -hmm. you can show this because i wouldn't i mean that's self-awareness well well, it's all well it's self-awareness but it's also this she needs to make this movie as good as it's going to be and she knows that she didn't come into this just as betty davis she had to work her way into jezebel you know yes so she's like of uh, yeah, awesome. I think it's great. It's like I agree. Wow. Uh, I have <laughs> when uh, old, old Gina Gillespie gives this little line, it puts chills down my spine. She's like, You bet I won't forget. And I'm like, She's it. Yeah, I was like, Yo, you and your mom are not on the same page right now. No. <laughs> Revenge. And then, man, Ernie might have given this. Write this down. This might be up in there for my list of quotes of the year. Delivered by Ernie at the beach stand. When he goes, cops. How do you figure cops? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Oh, man. Ernie knows. That's it. Okay, well, I've already given you my LVP. I had an honorable mention when Blanche finally gets on the phone, finally gets the doctor on the phone, and he's not going, I'll be there as soon as I can get there. He's asking her questions. I mean, she has finally gotten to this phone and saying, my sister's crazy. And he, but, well, but, no. Well, she's, she's just a hysterical woman. She's she's uh, it's probably yeah. that time of a month for her, so he's fine. She don't have that time of month anymore. Elvira, but Elvira turning her back on crazy was definitely the LVP because my Elvira would know better. I think that like, can you just imagine, like, you know, Mrs. Norman with her, all of her degrees and stuff, and she's just like, all right, yeah. Y'all want me to put down this? You really think that show. I would put down this hammer right now? Okay, but she looks around. There's no one else like her that looks like her to back her up to be like, nah, that wouldn't happen. She's like, all right, yeah, hey, I'm an actress. This is what I'll do. My LVP was the length. I thought it was a little bit too long for me. Mm. I thought uh, that there were some things that, like, I thought that the beginning was went on for too long. Yeah. There were a couple um, things that could be cut. Yeah. I yeah. mean, why why did the accompanying even, took way even too have long. to be in it? Yeah. Yeah. End up not doing anything for it. Yeah. 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 I love the other parts, but I just think it needed to be a little it could have been a little bit shorter. Could have been condensed. Yeah, agreed. 
Yeah, I'll say uh, my LVP is Edwin because I mm-hmm. I enjoyed the the actor Victor Buono, um, but just his character I and his mom and and all of that that they went into. I wanted just, more to happen with him, like him helping her dispose of the body of Elvira or something right like oh he yeah because they really did spend a lot of time setting up him and and his the relationship with his mom and stuff and right yeah that is one of the things that when you're looking back on it the payoff just wasn't there yeah exactly even though he was he was really great and he and he was nominated for an academy award yeah yeah okay Okay, so my MVP, I have an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. The one arm body drag. One arm body drag. Oh. Betty Davis is pulling Joan Crawford oh. from one place to another, one armed. <laughs> and Joan Crawford, oh, those two hated each other so much. Mm-hmm. She put weights in her pockets. So mm-hmm. she weighed more than her actual body weight for her to Betty for her, for Betty to have to drag her. Because Betty Davis had a bad back and told her she Betty Davis planted the seed was like, now, don't be a just dead weight when I lift you off because I have a Help bad me back out a little bit. And yeah. then Joan Crawford got a light bulb and was like, let me go get some. But oh, uh-huh. d- department, give me some sandbags, uh-huh. yeah, give me some weights. But my MVP is Elvira standing up to Betty Davis going, no, I know shit's going down here and I'm not going to stand for it, which, you know, is great until the LVP win. Well, I mean, you know that Yeah, she ends up dying because she stood Stood up up to a white woman. Right. So that's actually my MVP as well is Elvira specifically this the point where she's like, oh, I left the keys at home. I know. I was so proud of her. But yes, tragically, when a black woman stands up to a white woman in 1962, it just don't put the hammer down. I hope you have learned from us. (laughs) Carry a hammer in your handbag with those keys if you have to. Uh, yeah. My MVP is, uh, well, I thought it was going to be Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. Mine was for a long time. I made it camp in general. Yeah. Oh, that's Agreed. great. And Agreed. there's, uh, it's, I think this is from a book. I found it on in New York Times. I think it's from a book called The Rise and Fall of Gay Culture. Something written by Daniel Harris, The Death of Camp, Gay Men in Hollywood, Diva Worship from Reverence to Ridicule. And because that's, I mean, I have not seen a lot of Betty Davis or Joan Crawford, but I have heard a lot about them from just like RuPaul's Drag Race and, you know, just my yeah, pop culture. Friends. Yeah. So many references. And so it's it's a long read, but it's, it was interesting. And uh, I just have some quotes from it where he talks about um, 
uh, show was his name, Daniel Harris. So he said, uh, they talked about, oh, shit, where did I put that? I was not attracted to Hollywood stars. He talks about, it's like, being into Hollywood movie and, like, movies in Hollywood. He said, I was not attracted to Hollywood stars because of their femininity. Femininity, that's a hard word. Mm-hmm. Nor did my admiration of them reflect any burning desire to be a woman, as the homosexual's fascination with actresses is usually explained as if diva worship were simply a ridiculous side effect of gender conflicts. Instead, it was their world, not their femininity, that appealed to me. Um, and it just says, for me for me and countless other gay men growing up in small-town America, film provided a vehicle for expressing alienation from our surroundings and linking up with the utopic homosexual community of our dreams. Um, and they were talking about like before Stonewall, um, I guess this is like getting into camp. And they said they um, talking about homosexuals fighting back through imitation and through often unconscious reenactment of Hollywood scenarios in the course of real life experiences. Um, it put a person, I their name is redacted, finds that if he is angered or frustrated by something or someone, he can usually give vent to his feelings by becoming Betty Davis. She's a release for me, he said. I can walk right up to someone and say, gasp, you're an asshole, and blow cigarette smoke in their face and walk away. Um, and then they talked about how, quote, like quoting uh, all of these Hollywood movies in private conversations, uh, we created a collage of famous lines and quips, which after frequent repetition, achieved the status of passwords to a privileged world of the initiated who communicated through innuendo, through quoted dialogue, pregnant with subtext, a miscellaneous body of canonic canonic lines was lifted straight out of the masterpiece of popular culture and exploited as a way of declaring our membership in the forbidden ranks of a secret society. And some of the lines that they have are just Toto. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, but you are Blanche, you are in that chair. (laughs) <laughs> um, so when when gay people engaged in camp before Stonewall, they often did so as a way of laughing at their appropriation of popular culture for a purpose it had never been intended to serve, that of identifying themselves to other homosexuals and triggering in their audience instances instantaneous recognition of stock expressions, gestures, and double entendres that strengthened the bonds that held them together. Um and they also, another one of the quotes was no wire hangers. Um, but I thought I was, it's an interesting read. It's long. It's a lot of big words, clearly. Um, but, and then I sent you guys the RuPaul's Drag Race when yes. one of my favorite, Alyssa Edwards, uh, plays Blanche. <laughs> but I was like, I've heard about this movie so many times before, but it was just because I've heard it mentioned. I'd never uh, seen it. Mm-hmm. What surprised you about seeing it based on what you've heard? Um, I just didn't like I it's funny to me how all these movies were marketed as thrillers. Mm. But they're 
so campy, but it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, what surprised me is then seeing all of these, like, if, for those of you who don't watch Drag Race, they always do, like, you know, they're skits, like, funny skits based off of, like, old Hollywood movies. And I was like, oh, they're actually perfect the way they're doing these. Like, mm-hmm. the one they did of whatever happened whatever happened to Baby Jane was so good. Uh, but there's also a documentary that I want to watch now called Queer Icon, The Cult of Betty Davis. Ooh. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another drag queen called Peaches Christ. And she's quoted as saying, there's a collective understanding that she is God. So yes. I'm, now I need to watch that documentary. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we are to recasting. I did one. I have just done a couple. Oh, I, go ahead. Well, okay. So I started out with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. And so which would be which? I don't know. Jane Fonda would be such a good Betty Davis. Oh. But she'd be a good Blanche, too. Yes. So do with that what you will. Then I had, like, Cher and Lady Gaga. <laughs> oh. oh, that would be good. Wouldn't that be cool? And then, but I can't figure out who has which part. Because yeah. then, I, then I did Billy Porter and Electra from Pose. I mean, Electra could be, I don't know, maybe she would have to be Betty Davis's part. But so there there were just those ideas floating in my head. Oh, Teeny, did you do one? Uh, I didn't, but it would have been good, Sonny. Oh, it you would do have. love your Sonny. I know. I, I can did. see Frank. Frank would have to be uh, Edwin. I could see Frank and Charlie being the sisters. <laughs> yeah, gender switch. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I feel like Dennis would be Jane. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you know, and then D would be. Um, D would probably be Elvira. That's what I was thinking originally, but if Den- if Dennis is mm. Jane, then D could be Blanche. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's a good one. There's something there. I have that Elvira is Sarah Paulson. Uh, who can do everything. <laughs> Edwin is Michael Tyree Henry, who can also do anything. I have Blanche is Angela Bassett. I I did oh. go there. Yeah. And then as Jane Viola Davis. I was th- Viola uh, okay. I was thinking Viola. I was thinking Angela Bassett for but that works. Well, yeah. they, they could swap easy. They exactly. Could. Exactly. I even had Lynn Whitfield in there for oh yeah. yeah yeah totally yeah oh it, 
I mean, you two didn't get sisters until, you know, Christine and Adam got married. Well, we got, we got, um, like we were brokered. Like we got, like we got somebody that we both trust to pick our sister. Yes. You know? yes. Like my brother is like, all right, I will go out and pick your new sister. Here you yeah. go. That was his intention. Thank time. you. <laughs> yes, it was. You know what? <laughs> Don't think that's not on his mind. <laughs> but then we all have, you know, sisters from from mothers, you know, like uh, Christine's mom and her sister, have a very close bond so so there's oh yeah. how we've witnessed uh sister you've wit- relationship you've witnessed that's where we're going okay yeah. yes yes like your mom and her sister and then you and your sister ma <laughs> so and poppy and his sister and adam and his sister so oh, that's me yeah <laughs> I'm not saying anything negative about that. I'm just saying there's a lot to witness. I don't know if, how I feel about the the line in which the sequence of that occurred. So, <laughs> so now we are to tasty nuggets because I know how to move a lot. <laughs> uh, Betty Davis. I mean, those two had such a such a cantankerous relationship. It was such a feud because they just went back for so many years. And then, and then you also have to think like there really was a legitimate feud, but then you also have to think that this is Hollywood and that like amping up the feud, especially for this business. Like people think that people like kids today think now, oh, the rollout, there's going to, oh, something happens. So, you know, like they think that, that it was just invented that, uh, a scandal happens. Cause I did think. Angelina and Jennifer Aniston. We could do something there. Uh, but Betty Davis knew about the Pepsi relationship. She had a Coca-Cola machine installed. I mean, that's just yeah. brass balls right there. That's just saying, I see you and I raise you. But they did have machine. brass balls. Like those two. Those two had, yeah. You know, like titanium. Those, those two came up at the same time through the yeah. same Hollywood. Yeah. And they were, and, and it, I think it, there was an element of they, they were both survivors. One of them said it. I think it was Betty Davis who were like, yeah, we're both survivors. Mm-hmm. So there was that recognition of game recognizing game, mm-hmm. but then of knowing what would piss off the other one? Exactly. One of, them, one of them ended up marrying somebody. Like, they just, it's all intertwined and weird. Like, uh, Betty Davis was nominated for Academy Award Best Actress. Yes. Joan Crawford was not, correct? No, she was not. But Anne Bancroft was for Miracle Worker. Well, all of the actresses, aside from Betty Davis, who got nominated, there were a couple who were based in New York. And Joan Crawford reached out to those actresses and said, hey, if you happen to win, I know you're not going to be in town. I would be happy to accept the award on your behalf. You know, because she's. And so that happened. Yeah. She she accepted and Bancroft's award instead of Betty Davis getting it. And 
And no, Joan Crawford didn't get it, but she got to go out there well, and accept the award. It's even deeper than that. Betty Davis was there in, at the, where the awards were happening off stage. She mm-hmm. had been campaigning because, again, this is nothing new. Like, you think that, oh, they campaign now. They campaigned back then. They were campaigning. It said that Joan Crawford was campaigning against Betty Crawford. Of course. In the Oscar race. And then had reached out and, you know, because she was like the elder stateswoman. And like, oh, it's Joan Crawford. If you're a young actress nominated, you'd be like, yes, Joan Crawford, please, please, my lady, please take my thing. So... Betty Davis thought for sure she was walking up there getting the Oscar. She's in the wings of the auditorium. They announce, and the winner is Anne Bancroft. Joan Crawford walks past, like, excuse me, and walks to to Betty Davis and walks out there (laughs) to accept the award that Betty Davis thought that she for sure was going to get. Oh, these two and yet they're both in the same boat they're aging actresses who they there's very few parts left for them in this world and okay um okay you did that did that uh people considered for jane were mm-hmm. ingrid bergman mm-hmm. rita hayworth Mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn and Ginger Rogers. There were a couple other that you two wouldn't know, so I left them. Susan out. Hayward and <laughs> Jennifer Jones. Yes. Um, Could you see Catherine Hepburn, though, as Baby Jane? No. It might be more terrifying. Like, when she's going crazy. She'd be more psychologically Ooh. terrifying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh Gosh, this woman is, but yeah, yeah no, so. I can't see her. Uh, yeah, because both felt like they were second fiddle to the other, but really they wanted to be, you know, like first fiddle to the other. Yeah, that was some crazy shit going on. <laughs> okay, those are my tasty nuggets. We covered all my others. I didn't. Look up any. I figured oh. you two would have it. Yeah, I got and some And I think more. we did a good job. Well, I got the people for Blanche. Um, Tallulah Bankhead. Claudette oh, Colbert. Wow. Interesting Olivia de Havilland. Because yes. she did replace Joan Crawford in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Yes. And Marlena Dietrich. It could have been such a different. What film. if what if it was Greta Garbo and Marlena Dietrich <laughs> and whatever happened to baby Jane? And it all it was was just cold uh, Western European stares at each other. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, let's see. It was nominated for five Academy Awards. So best actress, Betty Davis, supporting actor, Bruno Buono. Best Black and White Cinematography, Best Sound, and it won Best Costume Design Black and White. It was hmm. good costume. When she was 57 and she wore that little sailor dress thing. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. It was, um, it says that it was critically acclaimed, but then when you re- read what the critics say, it, it was... Um, like in hindsight, it's become critically acclaimed, but at the time, critics critics were critics, 
and it's interesting to see. I didn't see any uh, women critics chiming in on the negativity. Uh. So it just made me wonder how many. I know that Pauline Kale is a film critic, but it just seems like that was a very macho world. And so I did wonder if any misogyny. Listen to me wondering if any. (laughs) I was really impressed how. They brought their A game, though. They Mm -hmm. knew this was a B movie. They knew this was the end of their career. But I mean, I think, though, that this is a thing of iron sharpening iron, because remember when we did straight jacket, that's what we commented about how Joan Crawford she really Love brought it. it. Yeah. And Betty Davis said, you know what? Joan, Joan Crawford is a professional. She shows up. She knows her lines. And I think they both knew that about each other. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to be the one who didn't show up to bring their A game. Right. Yeah. Because Betty Davis went all in for the old. I mean, so the good. makeup that that had all the that showed all the wrinkles. And uh, she really. Mm-hmm embraced the, the age, dirtiness the, dirtiness the character of, yeah yeah well it it recouped its budget in 11 days at the mm-hmm. box office so it was wow. a success i was not allowed to see it when i was 10 years old did your parents go see it no no oh. good god no oh they didn't go to the movies well they had totally different movie um Taste? Taste. Totally different. Yeah. Like, I remember in the 70s, my father took my sister, me, my mother to see a James Bond movie. My mother fell asleep during it. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to see, you know, like West Side Story, the musicals, the Merry Widow, that kind of stuff that my father uh-huh. was like, Snore City, I'm going to fall asleep during that. So. <laughs> Ah, sounds familiar. <laughs> that dynamic. Um, Alfred Molina played the director in Feud Betty versus Joan. Yeah, to perfection. Um, yeah. Um, the this movie received an X rating in the United Kingdom for. I th- I I don't know. I guess because of how dark it was, maybe like they just heard the first quote and they just slapped an X rating on it. There was no blood. There was no. I mean, there. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. I don't know. There was a 1991 TV movie remake that starred Lynn Redgrave and her sister Vanessa Redgrave. And it was it was updated so that it wasn't like they it was night they were stars in their sixties so it was like in con, a contemporary thing. Ooh. Yeah, wow. Linda Redgrave and Vanessa Redgrave are quietly one of the all time greatest sisters up there with the with Joan Fontaine and Olivia De Havilland. Agreed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. They were going to shoot this in color, but Betty Davis was like, no, this sad story should not look pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I'm glad. I like fucking. Yeah, I yeah, agree. She's right. I didn't remember. Were the dolls $3.25? Because they had, what, they were like three foot baby Jane dolls. 
Yeah, yes. I can't remember. It was something around three dollars. I so I went with three dollars and twenty-five cents in nineteen seventeen would be seventy dollars and twenty-three cents in today's like money. Tons of dollars. Yeah. So when they were all coming out to because I wanted to know like how expensive are those dolls? It's nineteen seventeen. Yeah. yeah. That's how expensive. When because they had real hair. The Jude Hockenham said real yeah. hair dolls. And that you believe the dude hawking them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to know where the real hair came from. They came from the hair farm in Sweden. Um, th- when that's really Joan Crawford's voice when Betty yes. Davis is it because she she couldn't nail it. So they just but it worked seamlessly. It did. It worked really well. Because I thought, wait, is she going to pull this off when she was pretending to be? Oh, like when when the booze, when she was ordering the booze. The liquor store and then. And she lip synced it? Oh, she was right at TikTok. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, she's Betty Davis. Are you are you kidding me? She would murder TikTok. The oh TikTok was invented for she Betty would, Davis. Yeah, she would be Betty Davis talk. <laughs> <laughs> they had such this movie was shot on a limited budget that the director of photography, Heller, when Betty Davis Betty Davis is really driving around Hollywood and he yes. was either in the car or he was perched dangerously and probably against all sorts of safety regulations now on the front of it to get the on shot the hood of the car yeah mm-hmm. um the wig that betty davis wore was restylized and refashioned but it actually came from a wig that joan crawford had worn in a previous film and Ooh. neither one of them like joan crawford didn't recognize it it's just mm-hmm. crazy i mean that kind of shit is just crazy I have that the exterior shots of the Hudson House were filmed at 172 South McLaren Place in Los Angeles. And it's right next door to 180 South McLaren Place. That was the house that Judy Garland lived in during the production of Wizard of Oz in 1939. Hmm. I want you to be making a list of the places we need drive-bys when I finally get back out there. Like the the house from. Um, well, that sounds like a, a list that you should be making and keeping, and then we can do it. From oh. Double Indemnity, that house is supposed to still be standing. Okay. I don't I'll see you writing this down. I will send you a list. Okay. Hitchcock turned this down because he yeah. was promoting Psycho and developing the birds. Um, I don't know. Like, I would have liked to see in a vacuum his version of this, but mm-hmm. I don't think that he. No, I don't think Joe it would have been as good. And Betty Davis would have all mm-hmm. been on the same page. No, no, and he wouldn't have let other people manipulate him. And yeah, I have that. Baby Jane is partially based on silent movie star Mary Miles Minter whose career ended when she was a prime suspect but never charged in the murder of director William Desmond Taylor's death. I saw that. So that's for all you murderinos to look up. Exactly. Or 
Uh, Peter Lawford dropped out as Edwin because he didn't want it to reflect badly on his brother-in-law, on John Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah, he had to be really careful during this period of time. Mm-hmm. And the movies, so the old movies were The ex, Ex-Lady in 1933. That's the old movie where Betty Davis is in it. And the old movie with Joan Crawford is Sadie McKee, 1934. I just thought it was great that they had just had that career and they could go back to that. Exactly. And that they had the... Um they felt good enough about themselves that they could say, this wasn't me at my best, you know? I I think that's, yes, I want to think that, but I also think that there's a part of them where they were like, this needs to be a hit and I will, I'm a survivor and I will take whatever it is that needs to happen to, so yeah, in this role, it works. And it did, it did work. All right, so the two of this, the daughter, Betty Davis's daughter, who played the neighbor's daughter, B.D. Hyman, she, in 1985, when Betty Davis was still alive, but Betty Davis was in uh, medical issues. She had had a stroke. She had a hip replacement. She was undergoing breast cancer treatment. Mm. And so this was in 1985, this daughter wrote a memoir called My Mother's Keeper that was very kind of similar in theme to the book that came out in 1978, Mommy Dearest, that was written by Christine, mm. Christina, right? Christina Crawford. Christina Crawford. Um, so My Mother's Keeper, it basically paints Betty Davis as manipulative, an alcoholic mother, uh, not a great picture at all, but very similar to like what happened with Christina. A lot of the people like her adopted brother was like, no, I don't know what she's talking about. Right. Stop talking to her. The guy Milner, I think, who was her adopted, whoever was her adopted stepfather you know, that she claimed abused her, was a violent alcoholic. He was like, no, this isn't true. Betty Davis wrote an open letter to her in, I think, her memoir, This and That, basically saying, like, you called your book Mother's Keeper, but that's what I was, and I always protected you. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty Davis disinherited her daughter from everything. She left it to her son and to her assistant. But then the daughter is like, you, the only reason you had me was to be basically what Jane was to Blanche, like that, that caregiver, you know, like, like, yeah, that's what the daughter. So Betty Davis's daughter basically says that she just had a daughter. And when, as far as she could remember, she was just groomed to be part of the Betty Davis experience and that Mm -hmm. entourage and to cater to her, every whim of her mother. Um, She said that her, so she, it's one of those weird things where I could definitely see, like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say that Betty Davis was a wonderful, phenomenal human being of a person, but I think her brother, Ashley, I think that was his name. He suffered from mental illness and the daughter was like, 
Yeah, she was never diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure that she was bipolar as well. Mm, So there's just a whole bunch of stuff. And then like when the book comes out and you have to also take in that these are two kids who are raised by these two women in where they're being raised. And then when the books come out, like, look, they're both survivors and they're, you know, their moms did what they had to do to make money. So if their moms were in the same position that their kids right. were in, their right. moms, like, I kind of feel like Benny and Joe Crawford would have written the book. Yeah. So it's just, I'm just fascinated by it because nobody, only people, those two people know what their relationship was like and what, whether their yeah. abuse was true right. or not. And what was just interesting. On any given day. I mean, that and let's be sense. honest, who's going to read a book about what a good mom somebody was? Well, that's the one Aaron hasn't written, and nobody's going to read it. Exactly. I haven't gotten an advance for it. Right. And, you know, you have chapters 14 through 18. Me? Yeah. Oh, shit. You got me four <laughs> chapters? Oh, she tickles herself so much, folks. <laughs> She's just silently laughing. That's what I do. <laughs> So I believe this is our Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I enjoyed. I very much enjoyed. I would watch it again. I had never seen it in its entirety, I don't think. And I did enjoy, I, I enjoyed it. I There were parts that were a little too close to home, but um, yeah, I did enjoy it. It was it was worth seeing these two actresses after their heyday and they're still bringing it. And um, yeah, I thought it was good. There was a nice little twist in there. Mm-hmm. I um, loved the camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The camp was amazing. You can laugh at it and yeah. So I thought it was fun. What are we doing next week? All right. Well, next week was this movie. I've been listening to the season of You Must Remember This, Sammy and Dean. And they mentioned this movie. And I was like, wait, wait, excuse me. What is this? So it's not Porgy and Bess, which was mentioned. But it is another movie starring Sammy Davis Jr. And Eartha Kitt, 1958. It is available to rent on Apple and Amazon. And it's also for free on Tubi. If you've got the Tubi, I'm sure there's probably commercials in there. But it's called Anna Lucasta. Anna, as in Anna. A N N A Lucasta, L U C A S T A. I've never heard. I hadn't either. And I was like, wait, Eartha Kitt? Sammy Davis Jr.? Eartha Kitt. And it's supposed to be about that is, but I really like that name. She's the Catwoman. She's badass. And she's Santa Baby. She was badass. Oh, Santa Baby. And I I love that name. I Hmm. think she she always reminded me of my grandma. I thought, like, Oh my God! Orson Welles once called her the most exciting woman in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she is born at a place called North South Carolina. 
<laughs> I've never heard of that place before. Well, I thought that that was just North Carolina, but hey. <laughs> it's a town in Orangeburg County, South Carolina called North. Is oh. it right on the border? Because one time I had to cross the border into South Carolina to um, poop because <laughs> all the water was shut off in North Carolina. And I was rather happy to send my poop to South I'm Carolina. sorry. All of the water in North Carolina. All of the water in all of North Carolina was shut off. <laughs> it was okay. There's no water in North Carolina. <laughs> Maybe not all of North Carolina, but where I was in you North Carolina. All. <laughs> you had to Shalote, I believe it was. Wait, it might have I've been. I've definitely Shalote. pooped in South Carolina too, but because <laughs> there's that place right on the border where there's this great Christmas store. Wait, it's called because it reminds me of where the Kardashians live, which is Calabasas. Calabasas, but this is. Are you talking about a town on the border? Yes. Is it called Rock Hill? Fort Mill. No, it's very similar to Calabasas. York. <laughs> and now we've entered into the. But there's the greatest Christmas store there. Tabor City. Um, it. Uh, okay, I don't know. But I know that the water was shut off there and we had to cross mm. the border to find like a a grocery store where there was a usable bathroom. And I was Is there a Christmas to... store called Christmas Cheer? Oh man. And it's yeah. the town Laurel Hill. No. You wait, because Agora Hills is near Calabasas. So are you sure that you didn't think Agora Hills, Laurel Hills. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, I know there's a Charlotte. The Charlotte Char- called Charlotte. <laughs> pronounce it. <laughs> no, it's not, you little bitch. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna have to stop right here because I uh, uh, the file's not found, but. Okay. Moving well, on. That must have been a long time ago if all the water was shut off in North Carolina. I'll have to ask my mom if she remembers that. It wasn't all of North Carolina, but it was Southern North Carolina. And be confused with North South Carolina. I well there you go. I look forward to the nerd alerts for next week. <laughs> all right. I will do my homework. I'll be researching the time that all the water was shut off. <laughs> Well, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast about <laughs> whatever happened to baby Jane. And next week we'll be doing whatever Aaron just said. Anna Lucasta. And uh, with Sammy Davis Jr. and Eartha Kitt. She's mm-hmm. a badass, man. She's mm-hmm. badass. Well, there you go, listeners. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.